Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By On your home for the most Nuggets content, Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. Just uh, as I sit here, uh, just a couple hours away from the tip-off of the NBA season. As always, I appreciate you spending part of your busy day, your busy schedule with me here on the podcast. Hard to believe that this podcast is going into year four, year number four of the Mile High Hoops podcast. However long you've uh, been listening, I appreciate it, but I really appreciate those uh, who have listened from the first year or two and Watch this thing grow a little bit and started off with me and Earl Boykins uh, four seasons ago. And Earl takes the player development job at Arkansas with Coach Musselman. And they're doing great things there. And we've done this podcast solo uh, the last three years. So it's a little bit different of a podcast. I don't know how many solo pods there are out there. Uh, but I think that um, it's just different, you know, instead of, you know, maybe a 40-minute conversation between two people turns into a 20-minute converse, conversation uh, with myself. Uh, but really looking forward to you know doing this again and being uh, joined throughout the season by some of uh, my esteemed colleagues here uh, in, in Denver. So uh, here we go, guys. Here we go. And uh, the Nuggets, man, it's, um, the Nuggets are a really interesting team, of course, because they, they are good. They've been good. They have the MVP. They have uh, an incredible mix of young talent, but also, you know, veterans who have been around the block, like Jokic, Will Barton, um, and, and it's, a, it's a good mix, but there's this thing kind of hanging out there that it's a yeah, but until Jamal Murray gets healthy, and that is unfortunately going to be part of the conversation until it's not, uh, and hopefully the Nuggets can stay as a group healthy. Uh, until he comes back and then reintegrate him later in the season. Uh, by all uh, accounts, his rehab uh, is going very well. Uh, he's come along faster than I think that most uh, anticipated, or, or at least traditional timelines. And of course, we'll see how it looks uh, when he is is back. Right, uh, it's a reigning MVP MVP season for Nikola Jokic. You know, Jokic. Um, I think there is a widely held assumption that Nikola Jokic winning the MVP is kind of just a one-off. I, I, I honestly think that is the case in most basketball circles. Uh, not all, but I think most. And, of course, you've had the nonsensical conversation, oh, he's the worst MVP in blankety-bank, and, you know, it's just, it's a, like I said, it's just a one-off. And, and if you look at the odds for MVP, it does kind of reflect that. Like Luka, uh, and this is according to my friends at Superbook, uh, Luka Doncic is the favorite uh, to win MVP at 4-1. Uh, then it's Giannis Antetokounmpo at 7-1, to one, along with Durant at 7-1, to one, um, as well as Steph Curry at 7-1. to one. Then you got Joel Embiid there uh, in Philadelphia at 10-1. to one. You don't get uh, until Jokic till after you know, the five leading candidates, and Jokic is 14-1. to one. So the odds are telling you that someone like Steph or KD... Giannis are are twice as likely to win uh, the MVP this season than the reigning MVP himself. And so I think that if you're a sports gambler uh, like I am and actually did hit on his first ever future bet a season ago, Nikola Jokic winning MVP, 
Um, I think there's enough value there to to play that again. Uh, to be honest, is it you know is it likely that he's going to be a back to back winner? No, but at fourteen to one, given what we've seen from Nikola this off season, it it feels like a double down commitment to the game of basketball. It feels like a double down commitment in terms of leadership. You see his body. We've talked a little bit about this in just a couple of the off season episodes. He looked like he's kicked it even into another gear. So this idea that Jokic could still have another level to climb as the reigning MVP is a scary thought. And you know, nowadays, you know, living in the analytical world that we live in, where we regularly see, you know, these visual graphs and what have you on efficiencies and you know, outliers in terms of the rest of the league or even the elite players in the league, the way that we've seen Jokic, you guys have seen those graphs, his head's all the way up to the right and he's just you know, uh, like like this past season where he won it, it became undeniable, right? Like there was debates for debate's sake, but at the end of the day, you saw when the votes were cast, they had integrity behind them, and it was he was it was undeniable. Like, is it really that unreasonable to think that he could put together another undeniable season, along with a narrative that he's doing it without the second best player that the organization has in Jamal Murray, at least as it currently stands now. So I think that could very much be in play. So at fourteen to one, you know, you put a hundred dollars on Jokic, uh, you know, to win MVP. If it doesn't happen, okay, you get to cheer for it all season long, and you may lose your hundred dollars. But if he wins, you get that hundred dollars back along with one thousand four hundred dollars, uh, you know, or do it with fifty bucks, you know, and win win you know seven fifty or, or whatever the case. So uh, or seven hundred. Um, so I, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a flyer on this one. To be totally honest with you. Um, so that's that's my quick thought on on Jokic to win MVP. Um, I mentioned Ben Simmons' name uh, in that list, the top five candidate, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, Joel Embiid. But what's going on there in Philly is what a wild scenario. Just a you know quick non Nuggets thought here, uh, and I actually have a couple of them here uh, in terms of season awards. Man, what a wild scenario! What a malcontent in Ben Simmons. This guy just kind of shows up out of nowhere after not initially reporting to camp and, you know, practicing with, with sweatpants with his phone in his pocket and dribbling the ball when Doc Rivers is, is talking. Man, some of my coaches coming up would have take that ball, ask for it, and then punt it across the gym and say, never do that again. I mean, very, very disrespectful at all levels of basketball. But it's just an indicator of how detached he is from that team right now and how checked out. Now he starts the season with a suspension and your best player, Joel Embiid, is saying, I don't care about that man. I mean, what a wild, dramatic, uh, soap opera-type story unfolding in Philadelphia. And the shame of it is, you know, the 76ers are you know really good basketball team. So who knows how that situation is going to, to play out. But I will say this, like this offseason, there was a thought that Ben Simmons could be a fit in Denver. Now, not every, it wasn't like everyone in unison saying that, but I did see a, a lot of that chatter, like should the Nuggets get involved? Um, and I'm just so thankful that they didn't. Uh, because I think Ben Simmons, to a certain degree, I'm not calling him you know, a bad person per se, uh, but I think to a certain degree he's showing a, a bit of his, his character here. Uh, and, and I think that you know, a, a personality like Ben Simmons, I don't, again, I don't know Ben Simmons, but just knowing what I do know, a personality like that is not going to thrive in Denver. I, that, that's just from the outside looking in. 
All right. I could see him ending up, um, you know, in, in, in some sort of major market uh, scenario. So just not a great fit. And, and I think, um, you know, yeah, you're seeing that thing come off the track. So, again, who knows uh, how that, you know, ends up and see if they stick with him for the long haul. I just don't know how you can work with in, in any workplace environment, but especially one that relies so much on teamwork with a guy uh, who is, is acting like that and clearly showing how he feels about uh, his teammates, his coaches, and the organization um, that he may not be a part of for, for very much longer. Uh, just pretty wild. Uh, I have a, a couple thoughts here, a couple random thoughts, a couple preseason, like big picture uh, thoughts. The Nuggets uh, over under on the season right now. Now, this has bumped up a little bit. Uh, right now, according to Superbook, uh, the Nuggets over under is at 49 and a half. All right, we're back to playing an 82 game season. Uh, the Nuggets uh, put at 49 and a half. That did open at like Caesars and other places at a little bit uh, lower of a number. Uh, but right now, Superbook is at 49 and a half. And you know, I've seen projections from like um, ESPN's like basketball index uh, has the forecast as uh, 50 and 32. Uh, the folks at 538, uh, the probability uh, and odds making you know, website uh, has the Nuggets at, with the same record, 50 and 32. So I'm going to go over uh, the, the, the 49 and a half. And bet on the Denver Nuggets to to win 50 games. All right, and there's a couple thoughts here. One, uh, I trust their leadership. Okay, I trust their leadership on a night to night basis to play with integrity, and and that starts and ends with Nikola Jokic. All right, I just talked about the double down commitment and, and the maturity level. Jokic has fully embraced the mantle of leadership of this organization. You've heard some of the anecdotes come out of preseason, you know, talking to the guys rather sternly like, hey, we're going to get our ass kicked if we play like this. Like, we have got to be better. And, you know, just, again, fully leaning into and embracing his standing uh, within the organization. And it's so great to see. And I think stuff like that translates to regular season wins. Just, you know, in the NBA season so long, and you guys know, like, it just – just showing up ready to play uh, on a regular basis is a task, all right? And you could roll your eyes and say it shouldn't be, but it is. We've seen it. it, it the, the season is long. Um, and I think that the Nuggets' culture in general as an organization lends itself to winning a bunch of regular season games, all right? And, and they should honestly, you know, be a, a rather a deep team, and, right? You, like, you, you, have a, you have a rock a solid starting lineup with you know, Monty Morris. I'm assuming it's going to be Monty Morris, Will Barton, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Jokic. That's terrific. But you have some some pretty good depth uh, in you know whether it's you know PJ Joe Dozier or Jeff Green or Jamichael Green, uh, Compazzo and Rivers, of course. And you know we'll see what um, a guy like Bones Highland uh, can bring to the table. That's obviously going to be one of the storylines uh, this season. Here is can a rookie contribute on a regular basis for the Nuggets. It usually has not been the case. All right, and I'm not counting Compasso. I'm talking about like traditional rookies over the past few years. Whether you're talking about MPJ or, you know, um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the kid's name from Syracuse. Tyler Lydon, right? He wasn't good enough to play. I said that on draft night when he, when, when he was drafted coming out of Syracuse. Um, and I said, if that kid's pl- playing for you on the floor this year, uh, you're, you're probably in trouble. And that uh, turned out to be the case. But... Um, playing as a rookie for a coach like Mike Malone in a situation like the Nuggets where you have real expectations, and I'm, I'm getting 
MPJ flashbacks here. It's like you want to get these guys on the court, but there is no like, hey, play free. No, because you got, you got to win games, right? Uh, the, the Nuggets have incredible expectations. So walking that line of getting a rookie involved, letting him play through some mistakes while still trying to win every single night, we know that the way that Michael Malone does, um, it's going to be tricky. So I think there's like a, a, a big assumption here that we're going to see a ton of Bones Highland, and we may. And, and on certain nights, I think we will. Uh, but at the same time, on, a, on an every single night basis, it would just would not shock me at all if, you know, Bones Highland, you know, has, uh, you know, consecutive games of, you know, DMP coach's decision. That, that, just, that just wouldn't shock me. Uh, so we'll see. I, 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 I want to be, um, you know, I want to be wrong about that one. Uh, but, you know, time will tell how, how it all unfolds. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, defensive player of the year. I'm not going to overthink this one. Uh, Rudy Gobert is the favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. And typically, you know, I don't like uh, betting on uh, the favorite, all right? And and Rudy's like only like, I want to say plus 300, plus 350, meaning that if you bet $100, you'd, you'd win 350. You're looking for more than that, looking for more value in terms of a season-long bet. But the fact is, he's he's that much of a favorite for a reason. He's one of the great defensive players that we've seen, okay? He's already won the award four different times. All right, and there's only been uh, two players that have won in, in NBA history, guys, that have won the award four times, and that's Dikembe Mutombo and Ben Wallace. I think Gobert could put himself in that category uh, with Big Ben and Dikembe by the season's end. All right, um, he's just he's he's got the goods, he's got the length, he's on a good team, he accumulates the right stats. Uh, you know, the, the eye test stuff with him, it's obvious, and with voting, I think that uh, comes into play. You don't need like a thousand, um, you know, advanced defensive metrics. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rock with Rudy Gobert uh, for Defensive Player of the Year. When it comes to Sixth Man of the Year, uh, I am gonna go with uh, the Atlanta Hawks Kevin Herter, who's plus 1100 in that category. Uh, so he's not the favorite. I believe that's Jordan Clarkson. Uh, but I'm gonna take uh, a, a flyer on Kevin Herter, who I'm just a massive fan of. I've talked about uh, Kevin on this podcast periodically throughout the years. Uh, known Kevin since he was uh, just a young boy, uh, six, seven years old. Uh, I know his father uh, very well. Um, he's the voice uh, and former player of the Siena Saints in upstate New York in the Albany area. And I see, I just see how hard Kevin works. He's, he's just signed a new contract in the last 72 hours. Uh, four years, $65 million, I think it is. So the pressure of playing for that generational wealth is now lifted. I think he can just play free, and I think we're going to see the best version of Kevin Herter on a really good Hawks team, and, uh, and, and Herter wins that award. I think the value is there up to, to, to put a wager on him. And then it comes, when it comes to uh, the MVP of the league, uh, I am very, very bullish on Giannis Antetokounmpo. All right, now I know, obviously, that's not you know, a groundbreaking thought. This is you know, the reigning world champions. And, but, but here's what I'm betting on. I am betting on Giannis. So like I'm taking a flyer on, on Jokic because the value's there. But, but Giannis, when I'm actually time to make my prediction of who I think the, the league's MVP is going to be, I'm, I'm going to go with Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo does not have the personality that will rest when he accomplishes his goal. That's just not how that guy is wired. 
and that's part of the reason why you know he's so likable, is that he becomes more hungry. And I remember back uh, in uh, the 2000 NBA season, I know I'm dating myself here, but Shaq and Kobe uh, won their first NBA championship, okay? who they beat in that first one? Was it, I think it was uh, the Pacers. And they beat the Indiana Pacers. Who I think it was Pacers, Sixers, Nets, I want to say, in that, in that three-peat. Uh, dating myself here. But, but they said, and I remember watching the documentaries and reading about it at the time, they said when that clock hit zeros and they won the championship, Shaq did not touch a basketball until next training camp. They said Kobe never took his hands off of the basketball. And he, he flipped this maniacal switch that, like, I am one of the best players that the league has to offer. And he was already all NBA by that point. I am one of the best players this league has to offer. I want to be unequivocally the greatest player that this league has to offer. And I think that that is how Giannis is wired. And I am just such a fan. And what, what corner that we saw him turn last year in the NBA playoffs where that old walling up thing that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna be um, the ultimate hard stop that it was in previous seasons. You really saw him sort of figure this thing out, play uh, with great um, great angles in in the postseason, and ultimately, you know, he, he they they go and and um, uh, you know win the NBA Finals and. They, they went four straight, and I, I just saw it. Uh, it came up in that, that uh, Nets series. It came up in that Hawks series uh, after they lost the first game, and then the switch was flipped, and, uh, and then you saw it uh, against Phoenix uh, in, in the NBA Finals. And, you know, they lost two, the, the first two games, and they rattled off four straight. And Giannis, in that game number three, uh, where he turned the corner and, and dropped 41, and and, and Middleton was great in that series too, but Giannis, and then ultimately with the closeout game where he scores 50, it just, like, you're seeing a guy who, like, the light bulb went off. He's got this incredible physical talent, maybe among the four or five most physically gifted players in the history of the league, right up there with, like, your, your Wilt Chamberlains uh, in, in NBA history. And when you combine that physical talent with the maturity and acumen and just natural growth as a basketball player... Then you then you get an unstoppable force, and that's what I think that we're going to see here uh, for the next handful of years uh, from Giannis. Okay, um, those are just some of my initial just random thoughts that uh, I wanted to get out here uh, before the NBA season started. At the time of recording this, um, the uh, Bucks and the Nets are going to play on TNT, followed by the Lakers and the Warriors. Uh, by the time you hear this, those games may be being played or already have been played. And then uh, the Nuggets start off their season the same way that it ended uh, against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. That game is on ESPN. And then it'll be followed by uh, the San Antonio Spurs who visit the Denver Nuggets on Friday evening at home. And I believe that I am going to be in attendance uh, for that one. Going to try to make as as much of these games as I can before uh, our daughter arrives in the world. Uh, me and my wife having a baby girl uh, late November, early December. We'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, I'm really, really excited to be back doing this with you guys. And I hope that you get a kick out of it. Uh, please, you know, reach out with feedback. And again, um, just I'm, I'm ready to kick this thing in, into high gear. So I appreciate you being here. Let's uh, lock and load another NBA season on deck. The fourth here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. And I can't wait 
to get it underway on Thursday when we react to the Wednesday night game in Phoenix. And you know whatever happens in that game against Phoenix, we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Oh, hey, didn't realize you were listening. Well, let's make this quick. And don't touch that dial. We're Rocky Mountain Forest Products, and we're not aggressive. We're passionate. And we're not going to blast you with facts you don't need. But when you do, visit rmfp.com. Whether you're in need of fencing, decking, or siding information, it's all there. And best of all, it's free. No one likes a salesman, so we're not going to sell you. Whether you need the info or not, just remember rmfp.com. You do you, Colorado. You do you.